0: doing. Uh, and That should be on. Is this on?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe. Okay. Hi, so my name is Bailey. Um, I just graduated from IU a few months ago um, and I am moving to Mazatlan, Mexico in a few weeks actually um, to do orphan ministries, an organization called Back to Back Ministries. Um, and so they provide holistic care to orphans living in several different countries, Mexico being one of them.
0: And w- she's driving down there, by the way, which I think is crazy, <laughs> but that's her choice. My parents anyway. aren't too happy about it, but <laughs> it was the best way to get my car down there. <laughs> So, and then what, uh, what are you going to be doing?
1: Mm-hmm. Okay, so I was a secondary English education major, and so I have a huge heart for working with teens, and I actually came to know Christ whenever I was 15. And so while I'm down there, I will be homeschooling several teenagers whose parents are on staff with back-to-back, and then also working in our local children's homes and kind of running our child sponsorship program, which is similar to like World Vision or Compassion, if you guys know about those.
0: Talk about your decision. I know you were actually offered a job teaching at Bloomington South High School. Yes. And some people probably thought you're crazy. You got a job right in your you I think you, I'm crazy. Why are you saying? Yeah, you think you're crazy. But <laughs> what, what, what was going on in your head? Why? I mean, I'm, part of it is part of the reason I really want to interview you to realize that sometimes God asks us to do crazy things. Mm-hmm. So for sure. You were offered a job. You went ahead and tell the principal, no, no, thank you, and yeah. I'm going to go to Mexico instead and work, raise yep. money, and do. So what, what was going on in your head during that time? What was God saying yeah. to you?
1: So basically, long story short, my um, intern went back to back last summer for two months in Cancun, Mexico. And so during that time, just fell in love with back to back and what they do and working with orphans and doing that kind of care. Um, and so came back to school and was kind of wrestling with, do I want to go into teaching or do I want to go back to Mexico for a year after graduation? Um, and so did student teaching in the spring at Bloomington High School South and just fell in love with it. And the principal actually offered me a job. Um, and then I was planning on taking it. Um, And so basically, I had a week to decide if I wanted to take it or decline it. Um, And during that week, I told God, like, I'm planning on accepting this job. And if it's not your plan, then please interrupt this um, and just show me what you want me to do. Um, And so during that time, it was kind of funny. It was over spring break. um, I told my roommates, hey, I'm planning on accepting this job. And one of them asked me, like, what do you think it would take for you to feel like God was leading you to go to Mexico instead? And I was like, "Um, probably something pretty big, which from now on, I'm going to be pretty careful whenever I say things like that. we boarded a plane to go to Florida for spring break Um, and as we're taking off basically once again long story short the plane kind of had a malfunction and the whole cabin like filled with smoke and we had an emergency landing and so during this time I'm like panicking and freaking out um, and just like having a hard time processing like why is this happening and so during this next week in Mexico I did lots of quiet time with the Lord kind of praying like why did I not have the kind of faith I thought I had and like trusted you in this scary circumstance Um, and so I was praying through like how I wanted my faith to look and I could feel the Lord telling me if you chose to go to Mexico instead I would build this kind of faith in you um, and so ever since like that time on the beach just talking through that with the Lord I didn't feel peace anymore about accepting that job itself um, and so went back on Monday and told the principal no and God's been writing a pretty cool story ever since then so I feel very blessed to be a part of it.
0: So, just so, so you, like you just said God exposed your lack of faith and that was <laughs> your signal... As though I want to have more faith, so what do I need mm-hmm. to do, God? And he said, We'll go to Mexico, forget blood. Yeah, and absolutely. So, did you, what kind of reaction did you get from friends and family, even the principal, about saying no? Were they like, okay? Mm-hmm. Or just, were they just, any pushback? Yeah.
1: Oh, definitely. My friends were very supportive. They were kind of like, well, we thought you should go to Mexico all along. And so they were very much on board. My family was pretty disappointed because they were pretty set on me being in Indiana. Um, They're from Evansville, so it's two hours away from here, which is so close to them. And so they were very upset at first, but eventually they got on board too and just saw this is what God's plan was. And so they've been pretty supportive ever since then, luckily.
0: So you leave soon. And one of the reasons we talked was uh, you still have some need for some financial Mm. help. So, if anyone was interested in talking to you, but you said you yeah. raised most of your support, you just need like mm-hmm. the one time. So, what do you, what, yeah. What do you so still need? Yeah, so basically,
1: I've been trying to find monthly partners to come alongside me because I have to raise my own salary for while I'm in Mexico. Um, but I'm actually fully funded when it comes to like monthly support, but I have like one time needs. And so, I have about $7,000 to raise um, like in moving expenses, like my car importation tax, um, my visa, things like that. And so, I'm trying to raise that in these next few weeks before I leave. Okay. So, it's been pretty cool to see the Lord just show up with like, my monthly funding and so i feel really confident he's going to do that in these next few weeks as well with my lump sum so
0: very cool very cool so after the service if you want to talk to bailey she'll be i'll just tell you to be back i'll be the around flag or something like that we don't have a mexican flag to stand under, but that's okay <laughs> that's okay um and let me pray for you and then we'll Thank you. Uh, god just uh, just the just the thought of ask inviting you like a like bailey to, to interrupt a plan if that's what you want to do god would you show all of us uh Times where you may want us to do that. We, we may set a course for our lives and then invite you to interrupt that course or redirect that course and challenge us in that way. But as, as Bailey prepares to follow your leading in this, I pray that you'd continue to give her peace and joy. And even over these next few weeks as she's finishing up final details and even financial details, um, that you would answer the prayer that she asked of you, which was, I want to trust you more. And would you teach her to trust you more? Would you stretch her? Would you stretch all of us? But in this case, would you stretch uh, Bailey even beyond her comfort zone so her trust of you becomes deeper and stronger and uh, full of greater joy? Let me ask this all in Christ's name. Amen. 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 Thanks, Thanks so Bailey. Much. Thank you, Bailey. <laughs> okay. Put that back. mic in the back there. Yeah. Thanks, Bill. Um, All right, let's pray, and then we'll look into God's Word this morning. God, we are grateful that you, uh, that you speak to us, and like I often say that our study of the Bible is not simply an academic study, it's not a study of just words on page, we're not just studying ideas, um, but we're wanting to listen to you, so as we open up your Word, your spirit has the ability to show us things or to say things to us in ways that are clear to us. Um, so, would you give us eyes to see and ears to hear what you're saying or what you're showing us? And we ask this all in Christ's name. Amen. Go to the next slide here. I got. I have. Two really good quotes, I didn't know why I was titled on that, two really good quotes. First one, go to the next slide, is from a man named Blaise Pascal. You may have heard of that guy before if you had any math background. He was a French mathematician, physicist, inventor. He had some kind of, uh, one of his early inventions was one of the early versions of a calculator. Uh, if you have math background at all, he did Pascal's triangle and all kinds of other things. Really, 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 really smart guy. Had a really dramatic supernatural kind of conversion to Christianity when he was 30, where he had like a vision at night. So he was kind of this, you know, whatever, on which is right brain, left brain. He was a really smart guy, but had this really interesting spiritual encounter with Jesus. But so here's a, here's, a, here's, here's the quote. I didn't finish it, but I want you to kind of think about what he might say. Really smart guy. He said, I've discovered, this is in his book, uh, it's called Pensée, which is French for my thoughts. I've discovered that all the unhappiness of men arises from one single fact, that they cannot blank, just we're not going to go to the next slide yet, but they can't do something. There's one reason why we're all unhappy, he said. Actually, another translation he talks about, it's the misery of people, arises from one single fact that we are unable to do. All right? I'll give you multiple choice here. Just to be, all right. Uh, A, is he saying the one single fact is we can't think logically when in crisis? B, we can't act rationally when offended. C, we can't take responsibility for our actions. D, we can't stay quietly in our own room. Or E, we can't enjoy Chick-fil-A on Sundays. All right? Anybody know just offhand to make them want to shout out the answer? Answer is actually D. Go to the next slide. He says, "I have discovered that all the unhappiness of men arises from one single fact: that they cannot stay quietly in their own rooms." And if, when I've read his writings, he says, "Because when you're in your, by yourself with no distractions and all you have is you and your thoughts, it's very unsettling." And he said, "Most of our" unhappiness or misery in life comes from our inability to sit quietly alone in solitude with no distractions. This was a guy in the 1600s who didn't, they didn't have iPhones and radios and TVs. So even in that day and age, there were distractions. And he said, this is the one single issue that, that most, we all face as a challenges. We have the inability to sit in quiet with nothing to do but think. Because he said when we do that, we're forced to think about things that maybe we don't want to think about, or think about anxieties or other things kind of surface to the top that we really could be dealing with and reflecting on, but we don't. Second quote is this: this guy, this is a more modern quote. Go to the next slide. Again, Richard Foster, an author, uh, author, theologian, professor, pastor. He's a Quaker, which is not that big of a deal. I'm just he that's his background. Here's what his quote is: this is from a book that he wrote that was really influential on me. Our adversary, Satan. Majors in three things. In other words, there's three things that he says is one of the primary tools of Satan to keep us off track of developing strong relationships with Jesus. Again, I'll go multiple choice here. Uh, Or the three things, money, sex, and power, noise, hurry, crowds, lust, lies, laziness, greed, hatred, delusion, sex, drugs, and rock and roll. All right, Three things he said, and this, this this is a quote that's really stuck with me quite a bit. Answers on this one, anybody want to guess? Answer is B, our adversary majors in three things noise, hurry, and crowds. If he can keep us engaged in muchness and manyness, he will rest. So here Pascal, you know, four hundred plus years ago, says one of the issues is we can't sit alone quietly and reflect. Richard Foster, just forty years ago, writes in a book one of Satan's primary tools in our lives to keep us off track is how he uses noise, hurry, and crowds. Again, it's all about keeping us distracted, keeping us from those times of quiet and solitude. So, what we've been doing the last the, over the summer, go to the next slide, we've been in a series called Change. The A is the, the Greek letter delta, which is the symbol for change spiritual habits that enable us to become the life giving people Jesus knows we can be. And then this week, go to the, and so what we want to do is, we're going to be talking this week about, go back to the other one, the hat. The habit of solitude. You know, how do we practice solitude? Some people call it solitude slash silence. Um, We're not talking about going out in the desert for 15 years at a time, which some ancient church Christians did. But what does it mean to practice solitude today for us who has jobs and kids and lawns to mow and cars to fix and things like that? So the whole point of change, we've said, is this. The whole point of change, go to the next slide, it's to become, become the kind of people who can do the things Jesus said we can do. We don't, we don't do these spiritual habits to earn some kind of points, to earn some kind of favor with God or approval of others. That's not what we do. We do it because when we practice these habits, we can become the kind of people who naturally do these things. That's why we do it. One of the things, go to the next slide, are interesting quote I just saw this week, Leo Tolstoy, a Russian writer, said this, everybody thinks about changing humanity, but nobody thinks about changing himself. So our challenge is we want to be a part of changing ourselves. We don't change ourselves, it's the power of the Holy Spirit, but when we do these things we give the Holy Spirit space. When we do these habits like Bible reading, prayer, fasting, solitude, we give the Holy Spirit space and we give him our ears to some degree so we can learn things that, we, that, that need to be changed in our lives. All right, another thing I'll say before we kind of look at the passage today is this is just basic assumption today that you, everyone here has a soul and you are the keeper of your own soul. And again, we could get in all kinds of philosophy, but the soul is essentially the central part of who you are. Some people call it the operating system of your, of your, of your being. You have emotions, you have your mind, you have, you have your will, but the soul is essentially who you are. If you just look in the, in the Bible, all the ways in which the soul is talked about, I, I, I kind of want to make this point to start with because it's going to be important as we think about solitude. Genesis 2, it said, When God made us and breathed into the, early, the first man, Adam and Eve, they became a living soul. Deuteronomy, we're told to love the Lord our God with all our heart, all our mind, all our souls. Psalm 23, the 23rd Psalm, we know that. He restores my soul. Other psalms that we've put to music: bless the Lord, O my soul. My soul finds rest in God alone. Bless the Lord, O my soul. What, what, What is that part of you? And what Jesus one of his more famous quotes he talks about come unto me all those who are weary and heavy laden and then he says and you will find rest for your souls he also said what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world but loses his own soul is anything worth more than your soul I mean, that's what Jesus said is anything worth more than your soul and Jesus also repeated the sense of loving God with your soul so We're talking today, all these disciplines are about caring for your soul, but there's something about solitude and silence that give us access to our souls. And I'll just say the soul is that part of you that maybe we don't often listen to because it's covered with noise and hurry and crowds and distractions. All right, so here we're looking at today, just a passage from Mark chapter 6 where Jesus practices solitude. So we're going to look at what it is. And how do we practice that today in 2017 with all the noise and hurrying and that surrounds our life, all right? So here's the passage. What had just happened, the disciples had just come back from a successful mission. Jesus had sent them out to, to uh, preach the gospel, to heal people, to cast out demons. And they came back, and they were pumped. They were excited what had been happening. And they came back, and Jesus interacts with them. It says the apostles returned to Jesus from their ministry tour and told him all they had done and taught. So you can imagine they were excited. Then Jesus said, Let's go off by ourselves to, read the yellow with me, to a, a quiet place and rest a while. All right? They're pumped. They're excited. Let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. He said this because there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his apostles didn't even have time to eat. So you can imagine what's happening in the moment is they weren't just sitting you know, at Starbucks talking about the ministry tour. They were out, and there were people coming and going because there was a buzz that was going on. People knew what had been happening. People knew who Jesus was. There were so many people coming and going, they didn't have time to eat. So you can imagine the environment where Jesus said this was, it was loud, there were people moving around, dust flying up probably donkeys making sounds, and people wanting their attention. And you would think they're on a roll ministry-wise. Let's keep it going. Let's strike while the iron's hot. And no, Jesus says, no, let's go off t- to a quiet place and rest. And so he takes him to a quiet place, and he rests. Other times in the New Testament, my wife reminded me of one, and so I just looked up, a number of other ones. Other times in the New Testament, we read often about Jesus going to a quiet place. And I'll just read some of them. Matthew 14. He sent the crowds away. He went to a mountain by himself, and he was there alone. Mark chapter 1. Before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up and went out to an isolated place to play. To, to pray, not to play. <laughs> Maybe he was playing too, I don't know. <laughs> He went to an isolated, so he was alone, he was isolated, Mark chapter 6, this is after feeding the 5,000, probably incredible buzz happening, after telling everyone goodbye, Jesus went up to the hills by himself to pray. Luke chapter 4, early the next morning, Jesus went out to an isolated place, sometimes some of the versions will translate as a desolate place, others translate it wilderness, but if you, the, the, the landscape of Israel is there's a lot of wilderness and desert, so he was going out where there was no noise, hurrying crowds. Luke chapter 5, but Jesus often withdrew to a lonely place for prayer. Luke chapter 6, again, one day soon afterwards, Jesus went to a mountainside to pray and he prayed to God all night. Luke chapter 9, one day Jesus left the crowds to pray alone. So one of the questions I ask is, okay, If Jesus is the Son of God, and he has all power, and he has all these resources and capacity, why does he need to be alone? Is he just role modeling for the disciples? See, I'm getting alone, so you need to get alone. Or is there something essential to what's going on when he's alone? Now granted, most of the times when Jesus is alone, he's going off to pray, but he taught that. oftentimes he, just, he says he went to an isolated place. He went to a desolate place. He went off on his own. Often he invited the disciples to go with him to a quiet place. Why? Why does Jesus need that? Because if we answer that question, then we may get to the answer of the question of why do we need that? Again, Jesus wasn't just exhausted physically and needed to go somewhere out to veg and hang out. He didn't need a vacation. But there's something that happens when you get to a quiet place or an isolated place. Maybe there's some answer we need to be finding there. Because what tends to happen, we know in our own experience, but often happened with Jesus when he went went to his quiet place. There's an increased sensitivity Not only to hearing your own heart, but also hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit. Jesus went off by himself the day before he chose the twelve disciples. So he was going off to listen, not only to the Holy Spirit, but kind of listen to his own heart. What was God saying through him? And again, he was human. We believe he was God, but he was human. So he needed that kind of time and space. He needed the quiet time and space. And you think about if, if Jesus would have just gone from buzz activity to buzz activity to buzz activity. And if anybody could make the argument, we could say, Jesus, there's tons of people who have needs. You should not be resting at all, going to any quiet places. You need to sleep, get up, do ministry. Sleep, get up, do ministry. There's people that need you, Jesus. But Jesus knew something about himself, and he knew something about his disciples, that there's some, a time and place where quiet and solitude and running away from noise, hurry, and crowds has some, you have access to your soul you don't normally have. And I'll say that again. When you're in a quiet place, a place of solitude, you have access to your soul that you don't normally have. And from what Pascal said earlier, that's why we avoid it. Because we don't want to hear some things that come out of us. Because what's what happens then? often? Some of our anxieties start stirring up to the top. Some of our fears start stirring up. Some of our issues of confusion. And the good thing about that is we can bring those to Jesus. We can talk about it in that conversation. But we don't like those feelings. We don't like the feelings of anxiety and fear and other questions or doubt. So we've got to keep the mind going. We've got to keep activity spinning. We've got to keep dra- distractions going because we don't want to think about ourselves. Self-reflection. And I'm not talking about morbid introspection or extreme introversion. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about those times when you're alone and you're quiet and it's just you. And there's nothing to distract you What do you do in those moments? And how do you listen in those moments? Because there's something about that that was really important to Jesus. So the challenge for this week is simply this, and I'll talk. give a few examples here. Just practice solitude this week. And I just put down three things. Slow down, unplug, and step away. I'm not, I was just reading this week about, I think it was St. Anthony in the fourth century lived in an abandoned fort for 15 years by himself. I'm not talking about that. I don't think anybody wants to do that here. I don't think anybody could do that here to go live in a place alone for 15 years. I'm talking about simple things we can all do in our everyday lives that gives the Holy Spirit space to our souls and give us space to our souls. Like I said, I slow down, unplug, step away. Maybe when you're driving by yourself in the car, and your habit is having something on, radio, you're on the phone, something — even for five minutes, driving quiet. See where your mind takes you. See where your soul takes you. Or maybe it just means unplugging your phone for an hour, turning it off, putting it on airplane mode when you're not on an airplane. Even when I do that, I've done that. I do that. At times I'll turn on airplane mode. Even when I'm not, I, I feel the anxiety of. But what if somebody needs me, or what if something important happens and I can't get to it? But isn't that the point of living apart from those kind of things? Because you're trying to figure out who am I, what do I, what do I need in those moments? I was. I was reading this week about uh, Superman's Fortress of Solitude. From the Superman movies. But his Fortress of Solitude was a place where Superman went when he needed to figure things out. And I think in different movies or comic books from what I was reading, I haven't seen all these. It was either in Antarctica or the Arctic or one time it was in the, uh, some kind of rainforest in the Andes Mountains or whatever. But somebody, asked, in one of the movies, one of the clips, is somebody says, what does he do here? And the answer, somebody says, was this is where he comes to find out who he is this is where he comes for guidance. And I'm I'm guessing the person who wrote those lines wasn't driven by Christian thinking, but when you think about solitude for us who follow Jesus, we go to solitude because that's where we want to remind ourselves who we are, and that's where we go for guidance. So you may not have the fortress of solitude like Superman has in the Arctic or the Andes Mountains, but you have a house alone sometimes and you can turn off the TV. You have a car to yourself sometimes. Some of you who are students, when you're walking across campus, take your earphones out, take your phone down and just walk in quiet. You can't control the noise around you, but you can control the noise that's going to you. I mean, there's so many things we could do if we just slowed ourselves down in those ways. And it takes discipline and, and, and intention because everything around us is screaming at us noise, hurry, and crowds. So maybe there's small ways. So that's all I'm asking you to consider this week. Are there small ways you could find some small places of solitude? Maybe it's in the morning. Maybe your habit in the morning is you get your coffee, you get breakfast, turn on the TV to watch the news. Well, the news is important. I want to see what's going on. I understand that. Maybe there's times for maybe for the next week, for the next month, maybe for a while, you just say, I'm just going to drink my coffee i might read my bible but i'm just going to be quiet i may sit on the porch and just be quiet today and see where your thoughts and your soul take you because it may be the very place god wants you to go but if you're not giving god that space if you're not giving yourself that space to understand how the spirit may be moving in you you won't know one of the things you've you've heard me talk about a lot this whole idea of hurry this sign up here that says no hurry and I think I've told this story before, but I really, I really like this story. There was an uh, English explorer who was traveling through Africa, which a, with uh, a group of African workers moving all the stuff with him, and it was a two-day journey. And after they were going through the jungle, after day one, they were well past halfway. The next morning, the English explorer got up, and he was ready to go, but all the African workers were just lounging around and he said what's going what's going we got to get going we got to get going and one of the workers said we went so fast yesterday we need time now for our souls to catch up to our bodies that's a phrase that my wife and I have learned to use more and more even among ourselves so we understand hey we need time for our souls to it's so sometimes life has to happen fast but you we do have choices about how we spend our time and when your soul doesn't catch up with your body, you act and react in ways that are purely of the flesh, the Bible would say. You don't have a chance to respond to that marital conflict out of anything but what's going on right now. You don't have a chance to respond to the anxiety about money except for what's going on right now. But if you let yourself understand and connect with the soul that God made you with, and that's where the Holy Spirit usually talks to us in that kind of space... You can re- learn to respond to situations in different ways, in life-giving ways. So this week, live unhurried. Unplug some noise. And I'm not saying go live in a cave for a week or a year or whatever. Unplug some noise. Slow yourself down. I actually did this once this week. I actually chose a line at Kroger that was I knew would make me wait longer, which I never do that. But I did that because I thought, you know what? I am not that much in a hurry. Do I think I am? Of course I think I'm in a hurry. But I'm going to choose a line, and I, th- I think even let somebody go in front of me, and I was there first. But it was, it's, n- it's unnatural for me to do that. But that's the point of some of the spiritual disciplines. You do things that are unnatural, and something starts to move around in your soul, and God gets attention in ways he doesn't always have it. So um, this is my challenge. Practice solitude this week. Listen to God. Uh, unplug disconnect, walk away from the crowd, and hear what God says. So let's pray. Actually, let's just have like one minute of quiet, and then I'll pray. Jesus, sometimes I think we find that quiet is really hard for us because it's so loud. And quiet is disturbing to us. But we want to be the kind of people, as the psalmist said, that can still and quiet our souls and can come out of a place of unhurried life like you, Jesus. Jesus. And you excelled in compassion, you, you excelled in listening to the Father's voice, you excelled in love for people. Um, and so, would you, even this week, in these times that we craft out of our 24-hour days, would you give us, help us find those moments of solitude and silence, um, and in those moments would you speak to us? Would you speak to us words of affirmation or words of direction, words of correction, whatever you need to speak to us about because we know that you're for us and not against us and you're always going to be speaking to us and leading us toward wholeness and healing and, and being fully alive. That's what we want to be. So would you break our addiction to noise? Would you break our addiction uh, to hurry? And we ask this all in your name. Amen. So uh, we finished every